What's up, pals? Thanks for tuning in. This is Super Nerd Pals, episode 73. I'm one of your hosts, Stan Gadersky. And I'm also your host today, Chris Sampson. What's up, Chris? What up? Andy, Andy got swept away by the ghost dimension again, so running running one man out, but that's okay. We'll, we'll make it happen. And uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I had a pretty, pretty busy and great re- weekend. Friday night, I went to see a concert with one of my friends, Sarah. We watched Knife Party, which is this really insane EDM group. And the probably the most nerdiest thing I did was the next day, which was I went to a Magic the Gathering pre-release tournament for the brand new set that came out. Uh, I talked about this maybe three or four episodes ago where I, I geeked out all about Magic. So that brand new set I was so excited for called Eldritch Moon came out and it's basically magic slash wizards version of gothic horror uh combined with Lovecraftian Eldritch horror it's like Lovecraft and Mary Shelley had a love child and it's amazing and the set's really awesome I had so much fun I was playing the tournament with one of my good friends Kevin um, I did really badly in the tournament, though. I didn't win any prizes, but I had so much fun. So uh, that was my weekend. How about you? Uh, I was really sick, and I laid up in bed, and I watched Dragon Ball till my eyes bled. All 51 episodes. I commend you, sir. That's that's really impressive. And I'm, I'm glad. Are you feeling better? Uh, I'm getting there. Um, much better than I was this time last week when we recorded i was i was really sick last week while we were recording i was just hiding it for for the radio uh (laughs) yeah i spent i spent all all last week watching dragon ball i i caught up on i I, i'm up on super and then i watched all of of abridged so i'm all caught up on there (laughs) (laughs) and then i started playing xenoverse again and i just been I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm on a huge Dragon Ball kick, and I've just been... I started reading Dragon Ball again, the, the manga, so I'm just... It's crazy. Are you going to read... Uh, or Are you going to write Dragon Ball fan fiction, or... Uh... Listen, I want to, but <laughs> I don't have time. You don't have time. I really Too want, busy. I came up with this great plot about Trunks, but now they're doing the new future Trunks arc, and I feel like my my time is over. I can't do it now. Well, well come on. I mean, the... We we've all we we all know that well at least super told us that the world exists in dimension seven and then dimension eight is where Goku Black or Trunks is from. You can you and you can make a uh, dimension nine. You know. No. Don't 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 <laughs> no no don't give up, San. No, I, I don't know. Because it was going to be this whole thing where Trunks has to deal with post cell and him being the only hero of like his world and trying to be as good as Goku, but he he's, has a hard time. I don't know. It was this whole thing that I can't... <laughs> the whole plot. He was going to find, like, alternate versions of, like, Hercule, like, hold up in the desert, like, Immortan Joe, because <laughs> he took, like, a small sect of people and, like, hid in the desert from the androids. It was, I had this whole thing plotted out, but then, the, but then they announced Future Trunks was coming back, and they're doing the Goku Black arc now, and they already did, like, a bunch of shit that I was thinking of doing, and they even they even addressed how Trunks dealt with Majin Buu in his timeline. So it's like Really? Yeah. That's it's, awesome. Listen, that, that Goku Black Arc is just like, mm. <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's like that Antonio Banderas gif where he's looking at the laptop and he just leans back. That's that's what this whole arc is right now. And the new episode just came out yesterday 
and it's just it's some good stuff. Trunks Trunks meets um, adult Gohan because the last time he saw him was the end of Cell Saga, so he's all grown up now. He's got a, he's got a daughter. He's oh much- wait wait that must that must have really screwed up future Trunks because. Remember that was uh I I forget the name of the oh the history of trunks like go oh don't go on dies yeah well, first he loses that's why he, he loses went... an arm and then he dies and and now now he meets the the other Gohan yeah like, that's I'm why like... that's why this arc is so good because he's he's reuniting with these characters and he sees this version of Gohan who has a daughter and a wife and a family and then he realizes that his version of Gohan never got to have that because of the androids and. It's like very powerful stuff, actually. And then he even he meets with with Kid Trunks, and they have like a little moment. It's just it's it's a great arc. I kind of don't want to get spoiled, but I have to ask: Does he have PTSD when he meets Android eighteen and find out that it hasn't she's happened to, yet? It hasn't happened. Hasn't ha- yet. It hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting for oh, it. Man. I'm waiting to see oh. his like shock when he finds out that they had a kid. Yo, that's gonna be that's gonna be so crazy. I okay I. I have, like, severe... Well, this is established already. I have, like, video game ADD. I also have anime ADD. Because I've been I've also been watching a whole bunch of shows. I had, quote-unquote, had time to watch Super. But then got sidetracked with, like, three other anime. And plus my normal summer, summer cast queue. So, like, Food Wars and 91. Also, I'm, like, more than halfway finished through JoJo. So I feel like I need to finish that because it's so good. Ugh. Yeah, the struggle's real. I'm really hoping that they get this dub stuff sorted out soon, so we can get the like a Funimation dub of Super. You know, I, I'd love to mm. see a Blu-ray release because I know in Japan they fixed all the animation issues from when it broadcasted originally, and so the Blu-ray version has like better quality animation and stuff. And I just want them to bring that shit here. And have the actors dub over it and stuff because it's it's such a good series that I just I want to pay money for it, you know. And it's like it it's kind of sucks that we can't because they don't have they haven't sorted out the rights or anything for North America. And on the bright side, though, I heard that they're bringing the super manga um, to print next oh, spring. Really? Yeah, so okay. so you can start buying volumes of super starting spring 17 which i'm definitely gonna do because i have i have old dragon ball i have i started to collect z and so i'm gonna i want the whole run everything i want everything you know do you subscribe to uh weekly shonen jump i haven't this year but i did last year i know they're releasing like chapters of super now Mm -hmm. digitally but i'm waiting i'm waiting for the volume releases i'll buy those and I'm I'm waiting for the damn anime to come here. I want I want to pay for the dub, but I can't. You know? Yeah, it, the dub doesn't even exist yet. <laughs> I know. I, I want it. And the thing is, they could totally skip the first two arcs of the anime and just do some Dragon Ball GT shit when they brought that over. You know how they skipped that whole beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could do the same thing with Super and the, and just start with the with the tournament arc because that picks up right at the end of resurrection f and we have those two movies you know yeah i think i think a really smart move by cartoon hour toonami which do like some simultaneous tv and live stream event they stream both movies or they play both movies right up to i don't know like midnight of saturday or something and then they screen like the first episode the episode that picks off directly after the movies yeah like my thing is, is just put the Champa arc on TV and then save those two movie adaptations for the Blu-ray release. You know, like have it like a complete edition there. But I just, I, I don't think we need to go over that stuff again. 
you know, because it, it's some of it's new, some of it's good, but a lot of it is just retreading, you know, and it's dragged out like so much more. Like the the fights that you want to get dragged out aren't dragged out, but the fights that you don't want, like for example, right, the Goku Beerus fight in Battle of Gods is dragged out like so long, and then the in my opinion, the arguably better fight is when Beerus is fighting all the other people, like when he's fighting Boo, Piccolo, Gotenks, and he's taking them all out with like chopsticks and shit. That's like the better fight for me, but they cut that fight down to like almost nothing. And it, ha- it happens in wow. like five minutes. He doesn't, he only fights Boo and he throws Boo into the water and that's it. And then, and then they drag out the Goku Beerus fight for like 10 episodes or some shit where he keeps getting beat, but then he keeps cutting back. And it's just like, just fucking stay down goku we know you don't win this one you know anyway i uh, i think either goku's being a diva or he just watched too much rocky uh, but then just saying but then once they get past the adaptations the, the anime gets so much better like it was good it's it's so good but yeah that's my mini <laughs> my, <laughs> every my, week every, every week, week we have to have a dragon ball rant it's, yeah it's we have canon. to start the show with a dragon ball talk <laughs> It's gonna. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna keep repeating this. We're gonna have a Dragon Ball podcast. This is. This it's, is. It's, so before the news flash, we have Dragon Chat. Dragon Chat. <laughs> and then we have the news flash. I mean, there is enough news, and you know, Super is ongoing, and you know, Universe Two, and yeah, God I just, knows. Whatever. I feel sorry for the people who tune in and they don't necessarily like Dragon Ball, and they have to suffer through it at the beginning of every show because. Well, it's, that that's why there's a fast forward ten seconds or thirty seconds button on their iPod player or or something, you know. Yeah. But I feel like it's been consistently for like weeks now. <laughs> we just start the show with Dragon <laughs> well, Ball. Well, if there's a Venn diagram of of fandoms, you know, there's Super Nerd Pals here, and then there's like video games there, and then there's there's like not just anime, but just just Dragon Ball. And if they don't like it. We will force them to like it because we're just going to be dropping these hints and being excited over XYZ and they're going to be super, super curious and then they check it out for themselves and then they'll come back to us and be like, hey, you guys are totally right. This is, this is all I want to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end Dragon Chat here. Funimation, bring Dragon Ball Super over and I will give you my money. I'm just waiting to give them money for this. Like, seriously. Hey, you already gave them money you know what I mean? with, the, with the pre-order for uh, Xenoverse 2. Yeah, but I wanna I wanna own the the series now. You know, Dragon Ball has all my money. Every time something new comes out, I gotta give it to him. You know, uh, because I mean they make great content and it's a milestone. It is it, this just Dragon Ball is integral to our lives in so many ways. You know, I'm I'm so glad. I mean, you mentioned this before, but I'm so glad it's still part of our lives and it's totally in the '90s again. You know, <laughs> yeah, like. We're all playing Pokemon, we're all watching Dragon Ball, we're all waiting for the Power Rangers movie, it's just, <laughs> we're all 10 again, it's weird. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. 30 years from now, Dragon Ball's still gonna go on. Dragon Ball Ultra. Dragon Ball Ultra is gonna be the great, great, great grandkid of Goku. Actually, I think there was something like that, where... Nah, it's not canon, forget about it. It's not it. canon? It's okay. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll... Yeah. Goku anyway. Jr. though. <laughs> no. Fuck Goku Jr. Newsflash. Oh, yeah. Newsflash. All right. So, Overwatch, finally, after weeks, weeks of teasing, they revealed the brand new character. And I'm so excited. We have Anna, or Anna. 
I'm not quite sure what's the correct pronunciation. I feel name. like it's Anna because her daughter's name is Farah. Mm. So it'd be weird, Anna and Farah. Anna and Farah. That sounds better, doesn't it? It does. So I'm I'm going with Anna until they Anna. Okay, until we're proven wrong. Yeah. So it's it's Anna. Uh, so she got revealed. She's the mother of Farah. Uh, she's super badass. She's like a she's she's like right out of Fury Road. She's one of the Vuvulini. She's this badass granny uh, with a sniper rifle, and her eye is missing. And specifically, she's a support sniper. This is my favorite part about her character: is that you can take the rifle. And shoot an enemy and damage them, but then shoot a friend and heal them with the same gun. It's so dope. I, just, I, I, I love, love that I concept love. so much because even if you're frustrated with your own team, you just got to shoot them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you won't get friendly fire, you know? Exactly. You'll, you'll, exactly. And she also has a grenade, and the grenade is the same thing where who get who are, if your teammate gets caught in the blast, they get healed. But if the enemy gets caught in that same blast, they get damaged. I love it. I love that dual-use technology. Yeah. And she has that, uh, I guess, that alternate fire where she puts enemies to sleep with a trank dart. Yeah. (laughs) She's like Sniper Uh, Wolf or like um, the end from Metal Gear Solid 3 where he had that that trank rifle. It's so good. I I gotta say, her character design is flawless. She's badass. She's she's hardcore. Uh, And her, her backstory is pretty cool, too. Her full name's Anna Amari. She's a elite Egyptian sniper. She's one of the six founding members of the original Overwatch team. So she, uh, she fought us alongside Soldier 76, Reaper, Tori Byrne, and Reinhardt. They haven't announced some of the other people. Like, there's this one character named Liao. Lao? Yeah, Liao or Lao. Um, the second command to Soldier 76. Uh, again, Anna is Farah's mother, whose real name is Fareha. She has an origin story trailer, and she also has a digital comic. Have you seen or consumed any of those yet? No, but I feel like if I have, I would know how to pronounce her name. So, <laughs> <laughs> The comic in particular, um, it reinforces her role as a motherly character how like she's basically the team mom she takes care of people makes sure everyone's okay like morale's up and their health is up i i love everything about this character i'm so excited so um, my question is is she gonna fall under the the healing the you know the right banner or she's gonna be in the middle where this other snipers are uh, is she gonna be like paired up with hanzo and widowmaker or is she gonna be over on the healing side with mercy and zenyatta and Lucio. I'm leaning toward, like, I mean, mechanics aside, judging from her, I guess, judging from her characterization, and I, I maybe I'm leaning towards the healer class, but. Yeah, me too, because I feel like it have if you pick, like, if someone's Hanzo and you pick Ana, it's not going to say too many snipers because her role is not just sniper. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, it might be a better balance to keep her on the healing side. And plus, like, I think it's hilarious when you treat a, a healer as, like, like an offensive character. I that's honestly that's one of my favorite shit to do. Like when I was playing Team Fortress 2, being a battle medic was one of my favorite pastimes and just killing people you're not supposed to be able to kill just because you're much better than the other person. <laughs> or or just game like player kill the game with mercy somehow. Yeah. I mean I like lo- I love layers stuff like I've that. I've seen it like a, a lot with Zenyatta and uh, Lucio, you know, like where they'll just murder people. With their like guns, 
Do you know when that when when Anna's supposed to come to the console? Uh, let's look up. Is there like Anna, a date for her? I, I can't. Like, I think I might be playing as her a lot. Just I'm not a good sniper, but I'm a good healer. So I'm not a good sniper either. But I'm also I I love healing. So this might this might transition me to become a better sniper because yeah. it's not like it's not that I don't like being a sniper. I just really suck at it. So. So I'm not seeing any official news about Anna. I'm just seeing a whole bunch of like Reddit and forum threads discuss- discussing when. So right now, unless I'm missing something, uh, console release for Anna is inconclusive at the moment. Mm, okay. So, uh, but uh, as soon as we find out, uh, you know, join us on Facebook. Stan. Oh, so Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/supernerdpals. <laughs> And know you'll be the first to know, or we'll also announce it here on the podcast. Any last thoughts about Anna? I I can't wait to play as her. Definitely, me too. Uh, next, we continue with the madness that is Pokemon Go. Last week there was a data mining. I don't know if I should call it like an incident, but someone was doing some data mining in the Poke- Pokedex data for Pokemon Go. Uh, the legendary Pokemon Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres, and Mewtwo, uh, they're all part of the Pokedex, so they're all in the game. Uh, at the time, uh, the only Pokemon absent from those images was Mew. However, an even deeper data mining dig revealed that Mew will be in the game. Just like in the Pokemon games, Mew will be a mythical Pokemon, and how that will transition to go in terms of Cap- or, uh, capture rate or spawn rate that's not sure yet Mew will be among the most powerful Pokemon in the game its power in terms of max CP will be more or less in the same ballpark as uh, Dragonite and Mewtwo and it's also ranking 11th in terms of max HP that's all the information but that's really exciting actually is I don't think Missing No is part of the is it in Pokemon Go? I haven't heard any news about that, but it'll man, be so funny. Missing though not real, man. He's a I know, he I know, but he's fake. You don't you don't believe him? He's not canon. He's non-canon. He's non-canon. he's as he's as canon as Vegeta's mustache. But he, but Vegeta has a beard, not a mustache. So, no, wait, is it? that was GT, right? Exactly. That That's why it's not canon. Okay, okay, I stand corrected. I mean, I would love Missing though to be part of the game, and for them to canonize him, it's just not happening. No. Um, but yeah, how you feel about the legendaries? I'm glad that they're not random because that would be ridiculous, especially with the, the way the servers are. I can't imagine you walking down the street and having fucking Moltres pull up in like a Ferrari or something and you turn to capture him and then the servers go down or the Pokeball freezes, you know, like. I'm glad it won't be random because it won't cause a repeat of what happened earlier this week. Did you hear about this? So yeah. there was a rare drop of a Vaporeon. And in, in I think it was it was it in New York City, or yeah, it was in Central Park, I think. Yeah, and it literally caused a stampede. So, yeah. I again, common sense people, but I mean, I could see them go. You know, they're just gonna probably do it with make it an event. You know, they're gonna make it an event Pokemon where maybe during you know the holidays or during some sort of break, they'll be like, hey. You go to this area, these designated areas in these cities, and you can spot 
Zapdos or Mewtwo or whoever. And then you would go there and then you'd have like a, a real world team raid thing where you and the other members of your team are trying to take down the Zapdos and then you can capture them yourself. Some, something like along those lines, I think. That sounds like very World of Warcraft. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, like I can see it, it being like, oh, come to Nintendo New York on this day and you can capture, you know, whoever, Ditto, capture Ditto on this day or, you know, something like that where they have a designated spot. It does, that way it's a little more controlled. It's a little less chaotic and they can be like have have like designated areas where you can go that are like relatively safe, you know. Exactly. Away from traffic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um. Do you ever th- like I mean, this? Also applies to normal Pokemon, but do you ever think Pokemon Go would do shiny versions of Pokemon? Like a sh- I, again, shiny. I want a shiny red Gyarados. That'd yeah, so my dope. my thing is, I I feel like it's super popular right now, and it just came out. But I feel I feel like it has enough legs where I can see them adding more stuff from the game, adding shiny, so that way catching the original one fifty is like fresh again after everyone's caught like everybody. And then, you know, like a year from now, them adding the Johto Pokemon and so on and so forth. And just constantly rounding out and fleshing out the game as time goes on. I, I can see it because of how popular it is right now, you know. Everybody's playing it. Mm-hmm. So why not, like, add shinies, add add more complex battling, add, you know... Trading. Trading. One-on-one battles, add more Pokemon over time. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo and Nantic, they have everyone at their feet, so they should strike while the iron's hot, continuously update, provide more content, provide more patches. Um, Are you you still getting server issues? I I feel like I haven't had as bad as the the week it dropped, but it's still a problem. I haven't had as many server issues, but I've had crashing and freezing problems at least once a day when I play. There's always an instance where I need to restart the app. Uh, just today, Kirsten and I were doing a little Pokemon hunting, and I had to restart the app at least two or three times during our like hour or two walk. So it's still a problem, but it's it's a little bit more manageable now. It's like if if it it it's usually freezes while I'm trying to capture Pokemon, but usually if you start if you restart the game, it'll either register you as capturing the Pokemon or it running away. So there's been times where the, where the game is frozen while the Pokeball is like shut on like a Psyduck and I'll reboot the game and the Psyduck will be in my Pokemon list. So it'll register as captured even though the game froze. So at least there's that. I've had, I had less issues of log on to the servers, but I still had crash issues. I mean, I don't know how they would fix this, but I wish there was some way to get around. Like you, you capture a Pokemon you really want and it freezes and they have to restart. And sometimes if you're still in the same area, it respawns again, but sometimes it doesn't. I find it really frustrating. I know it's a crapshoot whether or not it respawns after you restart the system, but I, I mean, again, we're Pokemon Go hasn't been out. I guess what, like two weeks? Yeah, about two weeks now. Two weeks. So, um, and again, like like we mentioned last week, Niantic promises a patch every two weeks, and I know with with the launch there was two patches in like a several. Like in like less than like two or three days, so I think they know that the system isn't perfect. They're working on it. Yeah, there needs to be a way where you can train rarer Pokemon that you have by maybe doing some kind of exchange rate on all the candies that you have that are garbage. Like I have 
probably like 200 Doduo candies that are just sitting in my oh. sitting there because all that spawn around me are Doduos. And so they'd be great if there was a way to like transfer some some of them to get even like a handful of say Charmander candies or something like that, you know. Even if it's like every 5 Doduo candies is one Charmander candy, I would still do it just to get rid of all the candies that I'm not using, you know. Or or to be able to like you know, evolve because right now I have zero chance of, of evolving Bulbasaur or any of the starters, even Ghastly. I finally got a Ghastly, and that was the only Ghastly I found in like two weeks. And I need my Gengar so badly. So if there's gonna be, yeah, I would I would totally be on board for uh, like a conversion candy swapping system. Yeah, exactly. And like one of the first time, one of the first days that I played the game, I got an Omanyte and a Dratini, and I haven't seen one since. And, like, that's really cool that they're rare, but I would love to be able to use them on my team, but I can't because they're both sitting at, like, 60 um, power, you know, and they're useless. Even though even though they're really rare, they're still useless. So it's just, like, I, you know, it's cool that I came across these super rare Pokemon, but I would like to show them off and, like, use them in gyms and stuff, and I can't do that because there's no way to level them without finding more super rare Dratinis, etc. You know, Dratinis. The lo- I, mean, I mean, just talk about Eevees. Like you and me have the the worst luck. I still haven't to- found one. Are you serious? I found a Pikachu today, and I caught it. I still haven't found an Eevee. <laughs> yeah, in terms of Eevees, I, I I I have maybe four or five. I mean, I, I shouldn't be complaining compared to you because you got zero. none. Yeah, he's got zero. But it's ridiculous. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I live in Maryland and like my air is a dead zone. But in DC, when whenever I uh, I pass by a gym, I just see like everywhere Vaporeons and like Jolteons and Flareons. All like people have them and they're in like twelve hundred CP. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Like, do these people not sleep? Are all they doing is walking around all day? Do they have jobs? <laughs> well speaking of that um there was this news piece that came out three days ago four days ago this guy he literally quit his job to play pokemon go full-time i'm pulling up this article this is from comicbook.com there's a 24 year old guy named tom curry who lives in new zealand so shout out to zach if you know this guy let us know what's what's up with him he decided to leave his current job Instead of looking for another job, he just started traveling again, all over New Zealand to catch all the Pokemon and follow up his Pokedex. He said, I quote, I wanted to have an adventure. I've been working for six years and I was desperate for a break. And Pokemon gave me that chance to live that dream. So this guy just went up to his boss. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm out. I want to be a Pokemon master. And I, I'm guessing he's on an extended sabbatical to play Pokemon. He's probably got a lot of money in the bank. You know, that's the only way I see that this being feasible, where he's just got a lot of cash saved up, and he's like, all right, got my fuck you money, going to start catching some EVs. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like I feel like Nintendo should pay him to cosplay as some Pokemon trainer, whether it's Ash or some other Pokemon trainer archetype that he admires, and maybe just like vlog, vlog his experiences or something. That'd be yeah. really interesting. You know, it... Now that you mention it, I think it's going to be insane around Comic-Con time when there's, you know, like people walking around the con with like their Pokemon shit going on. 
Oh, uh, no kidding. You know what? Um, for my job, like less than three weeks, I think it's about, I'm going to Gen Con for, to exhibit and uh, I, I cannot wait. I'm also kind of apprehensive and like, but kind of excited at the same time just to see how many people are going to be playing Pokemon Go. Probably everybody. Probably everybody. And I don't, I mean, I, I'm not sure if this is possible because it's inside a convention center. But if there's a way where I can drop lures at my physical booth location and then we do some promotional deal where it's like, if you were going to drop a lure at like 1030 in the morning and if you come and come to the booth during that time and you you catch a Pokemon and you, you show us your Pokemon, we will get you like 10% off your next your next purchase or something like that. That'd be awesome. Because like all so many small businesses are benefiting from that. They're 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 utilizing lures and uh, perks to get people to pay uh, to be patrons and and I, this is not a, a unique idea. I'm sure someone out there is gonna figure out how to do that inside the convention center, and they're gonna do it too. I'm sure the convention center itself is going to be a Pokestop, so I, I can imagine like 24-7 lures going on regardless for the for the area, you know? That's true, that's true. Uh, Alright, so let's start off with our first topic. If you remember from last week, we were talking about New Superman and its implications on the rest of the Superman lore and DC Rebirth in general. And that was one of my pulls for this past week. I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, I think it's a really, it's a really great idea. It's a, uh, it has a lot of potential. I, I don't know how other people feel about legacy characters, but we've had a whole bunch of, of them in the past year or so. And I think overall, legacy characters are, are a good thing. They add like new dimensions and richness richness to the uh, the OG characters and they provide new stories and conflicts and relationships and i think it provides like like the name implies it 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 brings something very new and unique to whoever characters is applied to so you have Jane Foster Thor and Miles Morales Spider-Man and Kamala Khan as Marvel um, so to add to that, you know, you have the new Superman. Uh, it's basically Superman from China. Oh, that was a brilliant nugget because it provides a cultural glimpse into a world that I don't, uh, I don't think you see a lot in the Western comics. I feel like the comic could have done more with it. When I when I when I think about it, it sounds it sounds like it's it's self-explanatory. It's basically Superman in China, but I feel like the comic didn't go far enough to provide like what specific differences or what or what things that make make a Chinese Superman like distinctly unique. They did some interesting choices though. So in terms of what's similar, you have like the naming conventions. So they're both alliterations, but I guess you see that a lot of comics. So instead of Clark Kent, it's Kong Kinan. For the Lois Lane reporter love interest, uh, there's one in here too. Her name is Lonnie Lan. Um, but there's also some some interesting differences that they make. Unlike Clark Kent, 
who was all was raised to be an upstanding moral citizen. Khan Kanan, he's actually a bully. He's actually a, a rough and tough kid. He still has a heart of gold. Like he deep down inside, he really means well, and he, he's a, he's still a good kid. But he has a rough exterior. Like he's a man of steel in that he creates an armor around himself to protect like his more vulnerable self. Like so, he acts out because he feels he felt powerless to help out the one of the key defining moments in his life where his his mother died, and so he takes it out on this other friend or this this other quote unquote friend, and he also has strained relationships with his father. Unlike, well, I, I guess this was a gift. I, I guess it was like the only way this could happen. But uh, I, when I heard of the new Superman, I thought that when New Fifty Two Superman died, like through comic book logic, may, uh, his powers would be would have like escaped and found a new host and then transferred and in a sort of like Green Lantern kind of style. Where like he he found the person most worthy of his powers and Superman's powers transferred to Kong Kanan. But that didn't happen. It was more of a Captain America first adventure origin story where there's a secret government society or or agency in the Chinese government that's building the Rome superhero team. So like the Chinese Justice League, like we were teased before. So Kong Kanan was recruited. And he was put into this machine called the Origin Chamber, which also brings up questions. Because I, I, I don't, I don't know if like some piece of Kryptonian technology, uh, like got lost or got stolen, and the Chinese re- reverse engineered it. But this machine was able to infuse Kong Kanan with the powers of Superman. So, um, and the issue ends off in a cliffhanger where he doesn't know how to control his powers. And who else shows up but the uh, the the Batman of China and the Wonder Woman of China? So it's kind of like they, they it reminds me of really cheesy Tokusatsu dramas. You know, like the the costumes are really flashy and over the top, and the entrance is equally as ridiculous. So I'm really curious to see how this pans out. Um, especially because, um, like, the Batman of China is not a new idea. I mean, we've seen uh, something similar to that uh, in numerous media. We've had this amazing fan film that came out, like, two years ago or a year and a half ago. Uh, it was called The Batman of Shanghai, uh, which was an amazing... It was, like, a three-parter mini... like Or a three-parter short. I'll post in the show notes. I highly recommend you guys watching it. And there's also... Grant Morrison's Batman Incorporated, where it established Batman setting up franchises all over the world. So he had like the Batman of Japan, like the Batman of Africa, the Batman of France. I mean, again, this is, I think this is the first time ever we had like a, a, bat, a Chinese Batman analog. So I'm really curious to see how there, how there spins on it. So right now, the, I think that the issue, it was a good start. It still needs polishing, but it interests me enough to keep following the series for at least a couple more issues to get a better feel of it. Yeah, and Stan, I know you were really curious to what I thought about it. Would you still, are you still interested in checking it out? Yeah, but I think I'm going to wait for the trades on this one. You know, I, like I said before, money is finite. And so I can't follow, even though it's $2.99, I can't really follow every book that comes out. So I do have an interest in this. And also Superwoman, 
but I think those are going to be two things that I'm just going to wait to read the trades of. But okay, is it? Do you see yourself following this long time or? I'm still indecisive. Like, um, I could definitely see myself picking up like the next few issues. I guess it's to be determined. Okay. There's some other again, money. Money is finite, and there's some other really awesome books that I want to invest in, like uh, like All Star Batman. I don't know. Right now, I mean, it's it's like three quarters of the way there. It just needs an extra push to like really get me me hooked. But the thing that really blew me away, DC Rebirth, the new Batman title by Tom King and David Finch. I've I'm in to- I'm totally in love with this book. Uh, I think right now, out of DC Rebirth, it's my favorite title. I haven't read anything from Tom King before, but I love David Finch's art. David Finch is one of my favorite comic book artist uh he's done some really really great work on moon knight and he also did a one-shot issue called batman the return he's also did a great run on wonder woman so his art is spellbindingly beautiful and, and, and amazing and i i could not put down this book What's really great about this book, and it really establishes what type of Batman this is, because if you remember from from the New Fifty Two, especially especially on uh, Capullo and Snyder's run, uh, we're we are left with a brand new Batman. Like he just re- regained his memories back. He's an improved Batman because after recovering from the events of Endgame, hit like his body's complete, like physically completely restructured and re and and reformed so he's he's basically the batman in the prime of his life but still with like the insane amount of years and experience that's still ingrained with him from from like muscle memory and and just been just been doing it for so long even though he's still simultaneously trying to readjust to batman after being bruce wayne for uh amount of time when he had when he was uh, when he had amnesia I just love everything how they set up the first book. Like they showed, they showed how Bat, how Batman still is the best guy to do this job, even though he's only human. Like the the beginning of issue one's crazy. It shows how he could he's still willing to put his life on the line so no one else has to. And he's always putting himself at risk uh, to save lives, even if. if uh, even if there's only one life uh, in the crosshairs, he will do everything he can to protect people. So what he does, like a cache of surface-to-air missiles was stolen, and it it shoots down a plane, and the plane's about to hit Gotham. So it shows Batman's um, ingenuity and physical acuity and how he's a master of physics and architecture and technology so he basically saves gotham by literally strapping rocket pods to the to the bottom of the plane as it's crashing um after performing this insane halo jump and he's literally grabbing the plane by the reins and using the rocket stabilizers to pilot the plane into gotham harbor it's a really dramatic episode. It plays off as if he's ready to die because this was a scenario that he wasn't expected to survive from. But in the surprise ending to issue one, he's saved by a, a new superhero team called Gotham and Gotham Girl. 
they're two mass vigilantes, but they're basically they're basically like year one Superman and Superwoman, except they operate solely out of Gotham, but they have similar powers, so they can fly, they have super strength, they have supervision. But they they have all the powers of Superman, but none of the experience. Batman's been observing the work of Gotham and Gotham Girl in issue two for a while, and he basically takes them under his wing. So this is really cool Bat Family sort of vibe where Batman, this is a Batman who has not only died once, no, yeah, this is a Batman who died, or actually twice if you count Crisis where he got shot by Darkseid. But this is a, a Batman who's very, very aware of his mortality. And we've seen the after effects of this before, like after he came back from his Odyssey in time, uh, he started Batman Incorporated. He started bat franchises all over the earth. And now with the DC Rebirth, we see Batman, I think more than ever, learning that he has to rely on other people. He's only one man. So he's relying more on Duke Thomas, like the, the new Robin. In, in Detective Comics, they're starting a Batman boot camp. And here he's taking Gotham and Gotham Girl under his wing. The stakes are pretty high. Because during during the course of these two issues, there it's revealed there's a, a deeper conspiracy going on. The attack on the plane and the events that are happening uh, in issue two, they're not coincidences. And they're teasing in the end that Dr. Hugo Strange is a major player in this plot. So I'm ridiculously excited for this book. I think it's amazing. Um, issue three comes out. Uh, this coming week so that's my that's my my big pull for the week um and also just to wrap it up um i also read wacky Rela wacky raceland number two it's everything that i wanted it's mad max fury road meets the wacky racers it's pretty dark it's over the top it has like, bits of mad max and it has bits of like 20 days later so like a like a a, a crazy viral infection spread across the earth so the, the earth is also so it's full of cannibalistic mutants and there's also some sci-fi thrown in apparently there's like this giant plague of nanites that uh, invaded the world so that nanites eat all eat all of life up and it gives um uh dastardly dan this tragic backstory similar to max so basically his motivation oh so the, the base of the story is the world has ended everyone's living the post-apocalypse and there's a mysterious force or entity that promises each and every racer to grant them their wish. So it's sort of like sort of like um, Twisted Metal, where everyone has to fight and kill each other for promises of power or, or, or glory. But in this case, the announcer promises their greatest desires if they can win a series of races across the country. So we, j we found out for the first time what motivates Dastardly Dan. So he was an expert violinist, and when the apocalypse happened... He panicked and accidentally failed to save his wife and child. So now he's, his redemption arc is to win the race by enemies necessary so he can revive his wife and child. I love this book. It is so beautiful. It's just everything I wanted. It, it, this is a lot better than the, the Mad Max prequel comic, which, was, which I explained before was pretty, pretty disappointed by. Yes, Mad Max, but Hanna-Barbera style. I love it. And uh, those are the comics I've been reading, and um, I, I, I'm really excited for next week.
Cool. So uh, I already mentioned my pools for the week. Uh, Batman number three. That's it's going to be more of Batman and Gotham teaming up. They're trying to discover uh, even more mysterious attacks against the city. And it's going to be furthering the relationships uh, between the new heroes and Batman. So I'm really excited because I, I really dig uh, Gotham, Gotham Girl. They're they're basically inexperienced uh, metahumans. And I one, one of my favorite moments was Gotham catching up. The, oh, well, first, like uh, Batman and Jim Gordon, they call Gotham, Gotham Girl and explain the situation. And despite two Gotham's having superpowers, Batman just disappears like he always does. And ba- Gotham like catches up to him and he pleads, "Hey, you've been doing this. You're ba- you're you're the Batman. You've been doing this longer than anyone else has. You know, please teach us. Teach us the right way to fight crime." And Batman's like, "Sure." And <laughs> and, 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 and right. that gr- fine. I mean, I right, fine. But it's gonna it's gonna be hell. And I was like, "Oh, so good." Um, yeah, how about you? So, this week, this Wednesday, what, what, what day is that? July? July 20th. Right. So, Wednesday, July 20th, there's going to be Batgirl and the Birds of Prey Rebirth special. So, that's going to be interesting. I don't know if I'm going to follow the actual series, but I'm, I, I at least want to check out the Rebirth special because I'm down for anything Batgirl. Um, I'm not super into the Birds of Prey like other Batgirl fans are. I mostly like Batgirl solo stuff, but apparently the new Huntress is going to be a former agent of Spiral who worked with Dick Grayson. So she's becoming the Huntress while Dick Grayson is becoming Nightwing again. So I think that's interesting. So that might be a reason why I want to read it, but there's that. Uh, Superman 3, I'm unofficially following Superman right now. I'm not, I'm only following Action Comics um officially superman is just something that I've, I've been picking up because it's still interesting to me because it's more um clark raising jonathan and teaching him how to be like superboy and there's just really good interplay between the two and watching jonathan become superboy is really really cool it's a little bit like um watching gohan become like (laughs) the person to beat cell and like they're training him to do that and so i feel like that's what they're doing with jonathan and i think that's cool so it's still it's still something that i'm looking into um i don't think i'm going to follow it long term but in in the meantime it's definitely something that's interesting um only wolverine 10 is coming out also it's a civil war 2 tie-in it's for some reason like five bucks so i'm i'm hoping it's a a large issue like an extra large double size or something i don't know any other way you would justify it being that price the cover looks pretty dope it's old man logan versus laura yeah i mean so either way i'm gonna buy because it's wolverine all new wolverine and she's like one of my favorite new heroes to come out of marvel and one of my favorite books that marvel puts out so either way like that's one of the things that i can justify buying at that price so I have no problem with that. And then there's Star Wars 21. I was initially planning on dropping Star Wars after 20 because that was um, the Obi-Wan issue. And I was planning to just buy the Obi-Wan like filler issues every between every arc. But the Star Wars arc that's coming out now is about an elite team of like stormtroopers, like a tor- like a stormtrooper kill squad. And it's going to follow their perspective for a few issues. 
as they hunt the rebels, and I think that sounds so awesome. So I'm so I'm interested in that, and that picks up with twenty one. So that so those are my pulls, those four. Awesome. Yeah. That that storm triple kill squad book sounds really interesting. Um, is that just like a one shot, or is that going to be like a? It's uh, the next arc. It's called Last Flight of the Harbinger. Um, the description is Sergeant Creel is back with an all new squad of stormtroopers. Go inside the minds of an elite group of imp- imperial soldiers. Um. And it says, join incoming artist Jorge Molina for a walk on the dark side. And that's what that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that I perked up at that because, like, I one of my most favorite like Star Wars anything um, is Genny Tartakovsky's Clone Wars animated series, and hands down, well, like the, my most favorite parts of that were like the first two episodes where. It's all about the elite arc troopers um, that storm the city and destroy the giant ion cannon destroy, uh, piloted by the drones. And, like, it's just – it sounds – it just reminds – like, the, the concept that you just explained to me just sounds so much like this. Like, like just showing – just showing, like, a, a ragtag but amazingly elite and proficient and awesome and badass stormtrooper team just – getting shit done and kicking ass and um this might be yeah this this and it's, it, this you said this is a new arc so this is the perfect chance for me to jump jump in because i've been missing out a lot on the star wars comics yeah and sergeant creel is actually one of the more interesting new villains that's introduced in this series um he's part of the 501st so he's um under direct command of darth vader and he, in an earlier arc, he was um, undercover as this character called the Game Master who was training Luke Skywalker and teaching him how to use lightsabers. So he's a stormtrooper that uses lightsabers, even though he's not force sensitive, but he, he uses it as one of his weapons. And That is, yeah, that is so badass. Yeah, Rebel, Rebel Jail, which is the last arc, ended with him, like a teaser of him and the stormtroopers that he's commanding. And he just like whips out a couple of lightsabers and it's just like oh shit like it's gonna be crazy can he be in like rogue one or this this takes place before the original trilogy right no or this is between, between um hope and empire so oh technically he should be alive because he's part of the 501st so oh my god i want an anthology film about this so badly this sounds so cool yeah he's re- he's he's pretty cool and so that's why I'm sticking with Star Wars at, at least until 25, I think. So we'll see. All right. Well, um, yeah. This sounds this sounds awesome. I, I'm gonna definitely pick this up. Pick this up too. All right, Stan. How about you? Well, what's your topic? All right. So last week I picked up Action Comics 959. I also saw Ghostbusters on Saturday, so I want to talk about both um, a little bit today. So Action Comics 959 was written by Dan Jorgens and the arts by Tyler Kirkham. As you know, Superman and Lex Luthor are still fighting Doomsday, and they're pretty much just trying to, like, keep shit under control, and since Action Comics rebooted with Rebirth, um, it's just been issue after issue of this all-out Doomsday fight, so um, there's good action in this book. There's an interesting mystery going on where there's the Clark Kent character who returns and who's obviously an independent entity from Superman and from the Clark Kent that died right before Rebirth. So they don't know who this Clark Kent is. He seems to be powerless. 
And there's also a mysterious villain who's like watching things go down, like from like some like Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget shit, where he's just in the chair and you don't see what his face looks like. Um, some other cool stuff that's going on in, this, in action comics right now is the interplay between Superman and Lex Luthor. They're both working together to take out Doomsday, even though Superman doesn't really trust Lex Luthor. He knows that he doesn't have a choice but to work with him. And they have this cool dynamic that's kind of like Superman and, uh, sorry, it's like Goku and Vegeta, where Superman's very much like this Boy Scout, like, good guy. And then Lex is also a hero, but he's much darker. And they kind of have to work together. And Lex is very full of himself. He doesn't trust this new Superman. And it just it's just a really cool chemistry between the two. And, I mean, this is more reason why I don't think they should just make Lex a, a villain like later on they should keep him on on this path that he's on because he's much more interesting as a hero i think um jonathan is watching this doomsday fight at home on tv with lois and he call he starts calling lex super lex yeah and and i i think that's that's a cool nickname and stuff like that makes me think that they're definitely in it with Lex for the long haul for him being a hero because Jonathan seems to not mind the fact that he's helping his father, unlike Superman, who's very suspicious of Lex. Um, the art's really dyna- dynamic and cool. There's like a lot of, a lot of fighting, a lot of just, there's just a lot of movement and action going on in these past few issues. And it, and it, I think it gets pulled off really well. Um, some of the stuff that I, I don't really like so far about action comics is that, Especially at this point, the plot feels like it's spinning its wheels a lot because we're three issues in and they're still fighting Doomsday. They're still so it's Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, pretty much. They're still they're, <laughs> they're still fighting Doomsday. They're still trying to figure out what's going on with this Clark um, Superman. Still like, I don't trust you, Lux, but I have to work with you. And so it's, it's just going on and on and on. And this is like, you know, Action Comics hits every other week, so this is the the third week. So this has been six weeks now of of like just move on. You know, like do like get on with this like plot you know finish doomsday move on um but it hasn't there's also um a strange inconsistency with clark kent in this issue that i don't know is intentional or not but i noticed right away um there's a scene where clark falls into a sewer while superman and doomsday are fighting and he breaks his arm and he tells superman that he can't get out of the sewer because his arm is broken but eventually alex comes along and saves clark and they have like an like an altercation where lex is like here comes another imposter, Clark Kent. And then Clark is like, I am Clark Kent. And then he starts like jabbing his Lex Luthor's chest with his arm that's supposedly broken. So like, I don't know if, if they forgot that his arm was supposed to be broken in that scene, or if they're deliberately doing that. So the reader could be like, this is off, but it, it, but there's not enough attention called to it that it becomes anything. So I don't know if I still don't know if that's intentional or not. Sorry. I don't know if he's hiding anything. It's just weird, and it's not explained properly. Um, also, this issue goes se- spends several pages of Lois Lane recounting the fact that Superman fought Doomsday once before, and Superman died because of it. And this, I swear to God, is the sixth time this entire thing has come up before in a Superman book. Like, they did in the Rebirth special. I feel like they did it in Action Comics already. It's like, we get it. Superman fought Doomsday. Okay, this is the same Superman that fought Doomsday back in the 90s and died and came back. We get it. Like, I, I don't need every issue to say the same damn thing to me. 
And so for good or for good or for worse, this is very much like Dragon Ball Z, where <laughs> Lois and Lois and Jonathan are on the sidelines getting shocked at every development that they see on TV. Lex and Superman have to work together, even though they are like sort of rivals. Um, Doomsday is like the typical like shonen enemy who's like too strong and they need to power up in the end to fight him. And then it's just like and they recap the plot every single episode <laughs> so this is, it just every, everything comes back to dragon ball z this is like superman action comics right now is like superman as shonen character action hero like this is what it is right now and it has some good this it leads up to some good stuff but it also like really feels like you're watching like they're trying to ch- catch up to like the manga that doesn't exist right now. It's like this is filler. Please move past it. And it's weird. It's weird to use that analogy, but that's what it feels like. Where nothing's really happening, and they're just like keeping the plot going. I feel like with especially with um, on one hand, it I, I feel like DC's afraid that or maybe doesn't quite trust his readers to. I don't know. Maybe I, I okay. Let me rephrase. I think DC's afraid that they haven't quite sold the point home that this is a, this, this is not this is the same Superman, but it's also a different Superman from like the past couple of years of New Fifty Two. So they want so like like any anime where you know where action's going on and then time freezes and then the two characters all over to here to the side have to explain everything that's going on. You know you know. They want to provide exposition so everyone's on the same page. So for you, who you've been keeping up with Superman for like how many years through through New Fifty Two, and, and I'm I'm sure you you were you wait, were you keeping up with pre New Fifty Two stuff, or did you ever go back to it? Um, I didn't. So my history with Superman is a little shaky in that I didn't. He was the last hero that I ended up liking. So I didn't really read the stuff from the 90s and I I didn't start getting into Superman as a character until just before New 52 kicked off. But once New 52 started, that's when I was really into Superman and I went back and I read the old stuff and so I know I'm I'm very familiar with Superman and and his past and like I have graphic novels of Superman and so I I know what the deal is, so it's just as annoying, you know. But I mean, again, also DC Rebirth. I mean, it's a, it's like a revamp and a retcon and uh, all these new number ones and new titles. And, you know, so they want to. I I I don't want to say it's spoon feeding, but it kind of is, especially for new fans or or fans who haven't read comics in a while. They want to, they want to be caught up, and I don't know, comics. Yeah, I mean, I there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in actually comics right now. You know, uh, the Doomsday stuff is really cool because they are very explicit that this is the same Doomsday that Superman fought and that this is the same Superman that died. They're very deliberate on letting you know that. And having Clark Kent show up again mysteriously with almost no explanation is also interesting. And watching the interplay between Clark and Lex is really interesting also. They just need to get the plot moving already. They need to take care of Doomsday and they need to move on. And I, we need like a breather at this point. Everything needs to quiet down a bit so we can like have Superman Alex like hash stuff out and figure out what's going on with this Clark Kent character because the the fight between Doomsday and everybody is is cool and it's cool to see Lex Luthor doing all this heroic stuff. But I just I need to move on at this point and you know 
this is probably the weakest issue so far from the from Rebirth Action Comics. Um, but I mean, it's still interesting. You know, it's like still a fun. It's a fun fight that that's going on. There's like some fun plot stuff, but it just it's the same shit as last issue. Like they're in the same place at the end of this issue that they were at, at the end of the last issue. Nothing feels like it's progressed. There's just been more punches thrown, you know, they're just, so they just, they just need to move on. It's Superman still charging up the spirit bomb. Yeah. Pretty more or less. <laughs> and he's having like Lex run around saving people while he takes care of doomsday. Well, ho- hopefully, hopefully your wishes will come true. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm sure and eventually they'll get past this, right? Like, so Next issue is 960, so I'm hoping that they take care of it. Apparently, Wonder Woman is going to show up in the next Action Comics, so that should be pretty cool. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so I also I also saw Ghostbusters over the weekend, and um, you know what? It did exactly what I wanted it to to do, and it was exactly what I wanted it to be, which is better than Ghostbusters 2. And that's, that's what I wanted from this movie, because... I really liked Ghostbusters. You know, like, I feel like everybody thinks Ghostbusters is a classic. Like, if you're interested in the franchise, then you're probably interested in the first Ghostbusters, right? But two, I never really liked two, especially as an adult. I think it's, like, so... It's kind of boring, and the main villain's, like, a painting, you know? (laughs) Ghostbusters 2, you know, beat by beat, plot-wise, is pretty much his first movie, but... I don't, I don't think the villain was as interesting. Yeah, no, not there, there's no way it was interesting as like Gozer and Zool, you know? Like it was fucking painting. But they but they but they do fight with the Statue of Liberty. That yeah, but that's cool. all that's also really corny if you go back and watch it. Like they they put a bunch of goop on the Statue of Liberty and they they play some like stupid song and the Statue of Liberty starts walking down the street. like what? Like come on. And then there's like the whole thing about like, oh, New Yorkers are so mean and rude all the time, and, like, New York is so dirty, and it's just, like, ugh, whatever, man, like, this is, like, Hollywood's <laughs> depiction of what New York is like, you know, like, who cares, but, um... It's a, it's a cesspool of hate, and yeah. that's why the ooze yeah, is taking like, over. It's, it's, like, really dumb, I don't know. Um, so, Ghostbusters 2016 is, is a better movie than that, and I... That makes me really happy, because I'm... I, I'm, I've been sad for so long that there's only been two Ghostbusters movies and one of them I don't really like. So there's only ever been like one Ghostbuster movie that I consider like a good movie that I rewatch. And so it's really good that this movie came out and gave me more Ghostbusters and was very entertaining and was something that is very similar to the original Ghostbusters but does enough different that it feels like its own thing. The movie was very fun. It was funny. There was a lot of really cool cameos and callbacks to the original Ghostbusters, but um, while those were fun, I feel like that they were ultimately unnecessary, and they ended up kind of feeling like the weaker parts of the movie to me, and I feel like I wanted them to stand on their own as their own thing and not do so many like, oh, here's Bill Murray, oh, here's Dan Aykroyd, you know, like those were really cool in the moment when we saw it, because like, oh, wow, they're back in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But... I feel like ultimately it might have been a stronger movie without those scenes if they were given more time to like flesh out the Ghostbusters that we have and not have be so tied into the stuff that came before. Um, do you think it was it was trying to do what Star Wars: The Force Awakens did? You know, just try to try to connect both generations, old and new, and to be a movie for everyone. It felt like that, but it. it didn't do it as well, I thought, and that's mostly because 
they the original actors weren't playing the original characters and this was supposed to be like a reboot and like where that the original Ghostbusters never existed and and this is the you know this is the original Ghostbusters to me this feels like golden like the original Ghostbusters were golden age and now these are like the silver age Ghostbusters where there's a lot more like crazy science fiction stuff going on and and there's like a lot the, the plots a lot crazier but it's it's just a new generation of Ghostbusters, and so in that regard, they feel a little bit like legacy characters, but they're not because they're supposed to be the originals. Um, Holt- See, that, that always confused me because in the trailer, or I I I don't know if it was the first one or the second one, but how it was cut together, it sounded like the first two and the new one were all in the same universe. It was something like there was like a tagline or some text that showed up in the trailer is like so th- this event happened 30 years ago and yeah, now it happens yeah. again or that's what it I'm seemed paraphrasing like, you know? but that's what no but yeah that's what the trailer was like and um kirstie even thought it was supposed to be like an actual sequel not a reboot either and um so i i think like they should have they should have either made it directly connected to the original ghostbusters to have this be like the new class of Ghostbusters or just not have any callbacks. Maybe like one or two nods, but like nothing as crazy as having the Stay Puff Marshmallow balloon or having the original actors in it. But other than that, I thought the movie was entertaining. I thought it was a lot of fun. Holtzman is definitely the best Ghostbuster ever. She's like my favorite Ghostbuster. Oh, which I, I haven't seen the film yet. Uh, which, Holtzman's the, um, the blonde one with the, with the glass, with the yellow glasses. And she's like kind of crazy. Well, do, who's her actress? Or who's Kate her McKinnon actor? is is Holt okay. Kate. Okay, okay, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So she's she definitely steals the movie. She's like the funniest, and I and she she's the one who makes all the Ghostbuster gear because she's like the engineer character, and so she's always um, iterating on on the proton packs and stuff. And that's another thing that I really liked about the movie is that they um, it showed the origins of how they built the proton pack, and they kind of iterate on it throughout the movie, so that by the end of the movie. So the movie starts with them having like this big cart that they like drag around everywhere to like hook up to a to one of those proton guns, but then they they event um, Holtzman eventually makes it so that's portable and then keeps iterating on it so that by the end of the movie they have a shotgun variant, they have pistol variants, they have grenade like ghost grenades, they have different kinds of traps, and so they have all this cool like gear that even the original Ghostbusters didn't have. So that was like definitely a highlight to see that stuff. And like to watch them use it on the ghosts is just awesome. There's like this huge, I don't want to give too much away of the movie, but there's like a, a huge like battle Royale scene against the Ghostbusters and a whole bunch of ghosts. And they get to use all the Ghostbuster toys. And it's just so awesome. That's um, badass. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Then they have Kevin, that receptionist character who played, who's played by Chris Hemsworth. And on the one hand, I, I I think he's a cool addition because he is Thor, and it's cool to have him in the movie. But and I like the whole gender swap thing where the Ghostbusters are all girls and the receptionist is a man now. But he his character is really stupid to the point where it doesn't seem like plausible in in reality. <laughs> and so just comedy relief, but he, doesn't really add much he, to the he's movie. He's pretty much like the the dumb jock character and he's he he reminds me of like just this hipster guy who's like really about his body and being a model but he's just like so dumb like there's a for some reason in their office 
because they don't they don't get the the um what the hell is it called the fire the firehouse, the firehouse oh is that in the firehouse oh I don't want to give too much away but they don't go there initially they end up having their headquarters above like a Chinese food restaurant and they have like a fish tank that has a fax machine phone in there. And one of the things that he keeps doing is that he's trying to pick up the fax machine phone inside the, the aquarium, but it's glass. So his hand keeps touching the glass like he's trying to pick up the phone. And it's like, come on, dude. It's in glass. <laughs> You're not that dumb. And then he's got like, he's got glasses, but there are no lens in the glasses. So he keeps oh, rubbing. Oh, that's so hipster. Yeah, he keeps rubbing oh, his no. eyes and he puts he puts his hands through the lenses to rub his eyes. And they keep telling him to cover his ears and he keeps covering his eyes instead. And it's like, this dude, this dude is so dumb to the point of it being kind of annoying. So, so how is he uh, a uh, suitable candidate for being a secretary again? He's not. It's just he's <laughs> the only person who applied to the job, so they hired him. That's that's oh. the premise. But by the end, he starts becoming a more like capable receptionist. So I feel like we're getting there. And that's my other point about the movie is that this really, really made me want and need a, a new Ghostbusters 2. Because, again, I don't want to give too much away, but... By the end of the movie, everyone's already established. You know, they have all their shit together. And, you know, spoilers, they get the firehouse at the end. The the original firehouse. And it, they kit it out with all this, like, cool new technology and stuff. And there's a sequel hook at the end of the, the credits for, the, for a potential sequel. And based on that scene and based on where the characters are at the end of Ghostbusters, I really, really, really want to see the sequel because I think it's going to be amazing. Okay, uh, let me take a stab at it. Even though I haven't seen it, and I'm I'm like fifty fifty on spoilers, is it a tease of of Gozer? Uh, it's it's. Do you want me to just tell you what the scene is? Yeah. All right. Uh, but 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 what? Spoiler warning for everyone else who hasn't seen it and listened to this podcast. You've been warned. I I I go into this with full knowledge of the consequences. Yeah. So there. After the credits, you see the Ghostbusters hanging out in their firehouse, and they're kind of playing with their new tech. And the one of the Ghostbusters, I think it was Patty, she's listening to the EVP machine that they have, and she's listening in and like playing the tape back. And then she puts the headphones down, and she turns around to the other Ghostbusters, and she's like, what is Azul? And they're all like looking at her, and they're like, I don't know. And then that's where it ends. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm a thousand. Per- yes, I'm really pumped now. Yeah. Um, so like, this that's is awesome. This is kind of like Ghostbusters Year One, if you want to look at it that way, where they're all kind of nobodies, and then it sets up a really good place for them to pick it up in the sequel. And it's it it's kind of like how Batman Begins ends, where like Batman is established now and, and it ends with Gordon giving Batman the, the Joker card and you know that the next movie is going to be insane and I think this is this a similar feeling that I have where like okay they're all set up everything is good now they're going to fight like Silver Age Zool and shit so like I'm, I'm ready <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah I so overall is a good movie I think if you're if you're a Ghostbusters fan and you're not a misogynist, you're going to like this movie. There's just no way that you can't because it's it's funny. The characters are all good and the effects and all that stuff is really fun to watch. And and representation matters. Now, you know, little girls and, you know, half half of the 
world's population now has four brand new sci-fi female protagonist heroes to look up to. Yeah, and honestly, like, not for nothing, as much as I like the original classic Ghostbusters movie, and as much as I think that that's still a better movie than this one, Holtzman's, Kate McKinnon's Holtzman is the best Ghostbuster out of all the other Ghostbusters. I've, And so, like, I think this team has a lot of potential to be more endearing and fun to watch than the original Ghostbuster team, which was just a bunch of cranky, like, scientist, like, dudes, you know? So yeah. it's like, I, I kind of had more fun watching these guys. You know what I think we should do once I see the movie and Andy sees the movie? We should have, we should bring back, well, what's it called? We should bring back uh, Deathmatch and, you know, old, Ghost- old Ghostbusters versus new Ghostbusters. I just want to, I hope they do, like, because I know IDW, I think, does has the Ghostbusters comic book license. I want them to do, like, a, like a Ghostbusters multiverse thing where it's, like, the original, then the new Ghostbusters, and then, like, the extreme Ghostbusters and the real Ghostbusters, and they all team up. <laughs> and, like, a, like an... Was it like a sixteen person like Ghostbusters like Justice League kind of thing? Yeah, or like Edge Edge of Ghostbusterverse. Yeah, Ghostbusters are pretty much Ghostbusterverse, Ghostbusters core or something. Yeah, I I, original Ghostbusters is better movie, but I think I like this team of Ghostbusters better character wise. So that's why I'm super excited for a sequel if they do it, and I think they should do it. Yeah. Uh, I think box office wise, I think this weekend, yeah, it, it came out this this weekend, so it it did pretty solid. It did sixty five million, so not shabby at all. It's definitely a summer blockbuster result. Yeah, so I I, I can't really add much more to it. It's because I haven't seen the movie yet, but I feel, I mean, I never had any any objections to the movie or to the or the idea of Ghostbusters. I was super um, excited about it. Like, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's it's again we talked about it with legacy characters. I think that's v- it's a very important thing, and it's been thirty years since the original with Hollywood like the the reboot engine. It was it was bound to happen anyway, and I think for twenty sixteen, you know, going with female Goosebusters, giving giving a facelift, you know, but still respecting the old canon. But deciding to do something new, I think it's I think it's the best way to to move forward with the franchise. And I, I'm I'll be a better judge of character uh, once I actually see the movie. But um, I'm super glad that it's been getting lots of positive reviews. I've always I was always really really bothered by the intense vitriol that people were giving that giving the movie like months before it ever came out. And one of the things that really pissed me off and really shocked me i think it was like wednesday or thursday this past week there were there was a screenshot that was going around that went viral and it was a screenshot of a reddit sub or subreddit thread i don't remember what was the name of the subreddit but basically two people conspiring of how to derail and discredit all the positive reviews the movie was getting and that was so just dis- so despicable. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, like, you guys had the audacity to trash the movie without even seeing it. And now that it's getting really positive reviews and uh, getting fanfare, you know, you're still going to try to discredit it because you're misogynist and, uh, you know, you have a the emotional brain 
you're, you're like you're emotionally acting like a tw- like a two year old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see this, and uh, even more so after everything you told me about it. So, um, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, cool. So, uh, right, like five bananas. There were some problems with it, but I, I, like I was saying, I think the positives are are far outweigh the negatives. So I would say probably about three and a half, four bananas in that range. Okay. So it's it's a, it's a good movie. I liked it a lot. Excellent. Excellent. I think that about wraps it up, right? Yep, that's it. Um, thank you guys for listening. I'm Stan Gadurski. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. I'm Chris Sampson, and you can find me on Twitter at Kyo Nitro for Hire. And you can also find Andy on Twitter at Sweet Justice One. That's Sweet Justice O N E. And you can find Super Nerd Pals on the internet at supernerdpals.com, Super Nerd Pals on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever the hell you want to Google Super Nerd Pals. Um, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever the hell else we are. Like, subscribe, give us some, give us five star ratings. You know, give us give us some good reviews because that helps other people find us. Don't forget, we have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash groupsizesupernerpals. And great news, uh, I think we're like almost at three hundred sixty members. Yeah, we're we're edging up on that four hundred. So just join. There's a lot of cool threads that go up. A lot of a lot of good discussion. Funny, funny videos and all, all the maymays you could want. All the maymays. All the maymays. And that's it, right? That's right. That's it. All right. So thank you guys for listening and catch you next week. Peace out. Peace. Peace.